so much. Judgmental. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That is the sound of the human race going backwards. <laughs> and we are going backwards because we stopped going into space. In 1969, we knew how to put a man on the moon. Now, we don't even know how long to put stuff in a microwave for. <laughs> Simplest oven in the world, we have no idea what we're doing. You know, my, my microwave even has, has an extra button now to make it easier to use. It's got a button that just says, fish. <laughs> like people are just going, oh, fish. <laughs> and who is putting fish in a microwave, honestly? <laughs> Unacceptable. We started going backwards, ladies and gentlemen, the day we stopped going to the moon and striving to go beyond. Do you know how long it took us to get to the moon? It took us the entirety of human existence. For thousands of years, our ancestors lived in caves, hunter-gatherers, barely scrounging enough to survive, the original slow food movement. <laughs> and then one day, one of these knuckle-dragging mouth-breathers turned to one of his mates and said, hey, have you ever noticed that it's light for about the same amount of time every day and then dark for about the same amount of time every day? And his mate said, oh my God, you're talking. Oh my God, so am I. This is incredible. And yeah, 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 we're talking. But have you ever noticed that it's light for half the time and then dark for half the time? Yeah, I had noticed that. I just never said anything. Because I'd never said anything. <laughs> and from that simple backward conversation, we discovered that the sun was a thing that moved. And after that, we continued to figure out other things. We figured out it moved the same all the time. And we invented time, and invented clocks, and calendars, and appointments, which was great, because before we invented time, we were late to everything. <laughs> and then we invented daylight saving, because we figured nature got it wrong by an hour, once a year. Saying a good oh, joke, Charlie. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> now, after that, because we didn't have TV and the internet, we used to look up at the stars at night and we mapped them. And some of the bravest pioneers in the history of the world used those stars to navigate across the seas in search of new lands and spices. Because people were mad for spices back then. <laughs> oh, what they wouldn't do for some paprika. <laughs> like now, people won't get off their sofa to buy an Xbox, but back then they would risk their lives at sea for some cumin. And then we kept looking at those stars and we noticed that some of those stars moved differently to other stars. And they weren't just stars, they were planets. And then we named them after gods, which was impressive, until we named one after Uranus, which is genius. <laughs> and then some people figured out that those planets could affect human behaviour. What sort of a person you were could be determined by when you were born in the calendar. <laughs> they invented horoscopes which are a lie and bullshit and genuinely hold us back as a species. Not they... true! Not true! They're science. <laughs> a generous interpretation may be, judgmental, that some people confused astronomy with astrology, yet it still gets a full page in the newspaper every day. I mean, come on. <laughs> But some other smart people figured out that those planets and the way they moved, they did some big maths. And they figured out gravity wasn't just a thing that made apples fall on our heads. Gravity made planets move and the universe hang together. And the moment we knew what gravity was, we wanted to overcome it, ladies and gentlemen. We wanted to learn how to fly. And we did, which is crazy. It used to be birds fly, fish swim, humans walk. But someone said, no, I want to go to Bali on holiday. 
Why would I want to drink here, surrounded by Australians, when I could drink there, surrounded by Australians? <laughs> And so we flew. We flew to Bali and Barbados and Budapest and some places that don't begin with B. <laughs> and then someone said, if we can fly to all of those places, why don't we fly to the moon? I mean, imagine the spices there. <laughs> and then John F. Kennedy set a date. He said, by the end of the 60s, we will put a man on the moon and everyone got to work, despite the fact there were heaps more fun things to be doing during the 60s, <laughs> most of which were being done by John F. Kennedy. <laughs> And then we sent dogs to space and chimps to space to make sure that, that we would survive if we ever went into space and left our atmosphere. And a lot of them died, but it didn't stop us. We kept going, ladies and gentlemen. And on that fateful day, July 20th, 1969, the three bravest pioneers in the history of the world, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and some... <laughs> Those three brave souls <laughs> took off from Earth and journeyed to those same stars that their ancestors looked up at from their caves. And for one beautiful day, direct descendants of ape men walked on the moon and the world watched. Over three years, 12 people walked on the moon. They took photos. They played golf. They even took a car up there and did burnouts. This was a, a golden age of human existence. And the entirety of humankind watched that and believed that anything was possible. We believed that Mars would be next, that human beings would continue to strive to better themselves. That is what they believed. And then we just stopped. Yeah, we just figured, you know, now that we know we can do anything, I mean, who can be bothered doing anything? And we stopped going, we stopped trying, and we have gone backwards, ladies and gentlemen. In the 60s, if you asked a kid what they wanted to be, they would say an astronaut. Today, if you ask a kid what they want to be, 92% of children say that they want to be famous and they don't even care what for. <laughs> they just want to be famous. Accordingly, the President of the United States is a reality TV show star without even the faintest grip on reality. <laughs> and the number one contender to beat him is Oprah Winfrey, ladies and gentlemen. Now I'm not even sure if I'm making an argument to support my case. <laughs> but the only hope we have of stopping the titanic of human existence from ploughing into the iceberg of lowered standards is to point that ship at Mars, stick it in overdrive, give our kids something better to aim for, other than just being famous. Now you might say that there's no way the Titanic could fly to Mars. I say it was a metaphor, obviously. <laughs> it's not a literal ship. It's a ship of dreams. <laughs> and it's time to climb on board. So how do we convince the kids to go to Mars? Well, how did they convince Buzz Aldrin to be the second man to walk on the moon? Probably by reminding him that simply by going to the moon, he would be able to top any story told by anyone at any dinner party anywhere. He literally has dined out on that ever since. Buzz Aldrin at a dinner party. Oh, really? You climbed Everest? That's pretty impressive at any other dinner party. <laughs> but I have walked on the moon. Oh, yeah. Buzz here is not as stupid as he looks, or his name suggests. <laughs> it is a foolproof strategy for being the star of any dinner party, provided you don't get invited to Neil Armstrong's house. 
<laughs> Going to Mars also represents an unprecedented opportunity for a new generation to make their mark on history, ladies and gentlemen. Here on Earth, the Guinness Book of World Records has played out. The records are all set and they're very hard to beat. Why would you bother? But the Guinness Book of Mars records, <laughs> that is wide open, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Nothing but blank pages. Every single thing you do on Mars is worthy of a record. Do you know the current Guinness Book of Mars records record for the longest anyone has held their breath on Mars? Asterix TBC. <laughs> I'm sure many of you thinking now, I could beat Asterix TBC. <laughs> I was born to break through the Asterix TBC barrier. And you could be the first person to run an Asterix TBC minute mile. All you have to do is run a mile. You don't even have to try, don't even have to break a sweat. Whatever you do is literally the best that has ever been done. Everything you do could be a record. You could be the first person on Mars to do this when they can't find their keys. That's a record. <laughs> be the first person to do this on Mars. On Earth, it's an annoying cliche and will get you ostracised, much like I was just then. <laughs> but on Mars, that makes you a visionary cultural icon. But it could be anything. Imagine being the first person ever to, to pass both solid and liquid waste on Mars in one day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> one small number one for man, but a giant number two for mankind. <laughs> Which brings me to the greatest opportunity of this venture, ladies and gentlemen. The chance to say the first words ever said on Mars. The most quotable quote of all time. Everyone knows Neil Armstrong's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Which, if we're all honest, was a cock-up. He meant to say one small step for a man. Because just saying man, that means mankind. That's like saying this is a small hat for mankind, but it's a big hat for mankind. You look crazy, Neil. <laughs> but this is our chance to get it right, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's like composing the perfect tweet, the first words on Mars. You can run the Martian colony on the retweets alone, ladies and gentlemen. So what would it be? I mean, obviously, this is 2018. We want to be a little more inclusive and a little less gender-specific than Neil Armstrong was in 1969. Perhaps that's one small step for a man or woman or non-binary identifying non-cisgender person. Stop I mean, I mean... sucking up! <laughs> There's your word. I'm trying to be woke, Magda. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, you know, regardless of who made it, it was one small step. Or not a step. I don't want to be ableist. Could, it could be a landing ramp. Yes, let's have a landing ramp. Let's have a landing ramp on Mars, then Mars can be a fully accessible comedy festival venue. I think that would be good. Look, basically yeah. what I'm saying is that we're here on Mars now and we call dibs. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Look, I'll, 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 it's harder than it looks, I'll be honest. And, and if I'm going to be really honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, being a white man, I feel a little uncomfortable saying the first words as we colonise a new place. I, I, that doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> So, perhaps it'd be nicer to give that honour to someone who hasn't had the chance to colonise anything yet, ladies and gentlemen.
acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars, and thank their elders, past and present. I declare this barren planet terra nullius. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> You know, that's how it's done. You know, I've got a treaty here and there's, there's no reason we can't get along and respect each other's cultures. See, it, it's just not that hard. But I can promise one thing. We won't be calling this Mars Day. Trust me. Mars Day <laughs> is just not worth it. And that's it. We're here now. That's one small speech for me, one giant leap forward, for how to rock up somewhere you've never been before and act right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the first man on Mars, Briggs! Thank you.